We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain alienable rights. We have a power! And we've raised a spoiled brat representative government that needs to be taken to the woodshed. Are you satisfied with the government that owns you? There are churches who refuse to allow us to use their facilities to teach. Unspoken or even sometimes spoken rule that religion and politics don't mix. You wouldn't dare speak out against the government or somehow resist. Christians have to be involved in politics. God commands it. Every turn of event through history hinged. One person will stand up upon a single person. And then everybody else will stand. A gym member surrounded by a crowd of supporters was placed in handcuffs. A Tampa Bay pastor has been arrested. Sentenced to a week in she jail. She also and tore up a cease and desist letter. We have a posterity waiting for us to say, we will not comply so you will be free. We have a chance to fight without bloodshed. But every time we comply, we establish a future where our children will not have that option. Why do we sit down when all should be standing? And why do we back down? At the and I didn't write it down. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E. H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Just a friendly reminder, we are a teach show, not just a talk show. So if you're just looking to have your ears tickled or have some political candy to eat for uh, the next few minutes, we're probably not the show for you. Just warn you, there are plenty other talking heads that are going to do that for you. We don't. We hold everybody, regardless of political affiliation or personality, cultish following to the same and single standard, whether it be the Constitution of the United States or the Constitution of the state to whichever government is relevant. Right. So very excited to have you here with me today on this beautiful Monday, last week of April. This week is going to be a very busy week for JC and I. We will be JC and me. Yeah, JC and me. That's the proper grammatical construction for that one. For JC and me, because we will be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, working on a project. A project that I'll be very happy to share with you as soon as it's ready to be public. <laughs> right, secret stuff. But that's okay. Uh, we are happy to be a part of this groundbreaking new project and excited for what kind of thing it's going to add to the patriot, to the military, to the veteran com community. But I'll let you in a little bit more when the time is right. Right now, we're just getting prepared. We're just starting. 
Everybody say hello to Christian, who's driving the submarine. We don't have Christian Cam yet. I'm wondering, somebody want to donate for a Christian Cam? Just saying, if you want to donate, you can go to chrisannhall.com. Or if you want to donate for a Christian Cam in a tax-deductible foundation, go to noncompliantmovie.com. And you can get a tax write-off for your donation, and we will apply that money to the non-compliant movie sequel, right? Buy that movie to the non-compliant sequel, then you free up our regular funds to buy a Christian cam, right? So everybody say hi to Christian. Christian, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. So glad that Christian is with me when JC is not. I'm glad Christian's with me even when JC's here, but, you know, I'm glad he's here. So, uh, Christian, we've got this really cool video that was just released this afternoon. This is hot off the presses. Um, I just want to say that it was really interesting. We were in Texas. I'm going to show you some pictures of it later on. We were in Texas this past weekend at the True Texas Project uh, fundraising dinner. And um, we flew there and it was a very interesting yet somewhat surreal experience to walk into the tampa airport and there were no masks anywhere i didn't have some tsa agent screaming at me to make sure my mask was on my face and no dirty looks because i wasn't wearing my mask and you know it's just very interesting and i was walking christian i was walking down the hallway uh we'd gone through tsa and everything and i was walking down the hallway to our gate and i thought to myself what exactly is different between now and this day and two weeks ago? Two weeks ago when everybody was wearing a mask and people were freaking out about masks and all this other stuff. What exactly is different between two weeks ago and just this past Friday and Sunday when we were flying? Christian, you know what the only difference was? No masks. Other than no masks? I uh, know. I don't. One person said, you don't have to wear a mask. I mean, I want you to sort of comprehend that for a second. One person who happened to be a federal judge said, uh, you don't have to wear a mask. And then the whole world changed. Can you imagine? I mean, the whole world for us here in America. Can you imagine the power of one person? What if that person were you? Just saying. So anyway, we've got this video from Liberty Austin. It was just sent to me. Of this guy apparently freaking out in a store. Christian, you said you thought you recognized this store? It looks like Costco, kind of. I've never been to Costco, so I don't really know. So maybe it's a Costco which would be rather ironic since um, it was also Costco who was throwing people out for not wearing masks, right? Yeah. They were part of the real Nazi regime. Did you witness anybody getting thrown out of Costco here in Florida? Um, I almost did. You did? Family. We oh. didn't get fully kicked out, though, because we just kind of put them on because we needed groceries. Yeah? Yeah. And then you just did the chin mask thing the rest of the way through the store? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway remember we have a supreme uh, we have a federal judge who said no you don't have to wear masks now the whole world has changed and now you don't have to wear a mask and yet there are still people wearing masks right 
So we're at the airport, Christian. I'm looking around. And now the majority of the people are not wearing masks. And then there's still a few people wearing masks. And of those few people wearing masks, a few of them are really annoyed that nobody else is wearing masks. And so it was just very interesting. And I wish JC were here, but one of his pet peeves now is is the chin mask, right? Mm -hmm. So if there's a mandate telling you you have to wear a mask and you don't want to wear a mask and you do the chin mask thing, that's different. Then there is no mandate and you still do the chin mask thing. Why don't you just take the mask off? Why are you doing a chin mask when there is no need, no mandate, no threat to wear a mask. Can you think, Christian, of any reason why somebody would walk around with a mask on their chin if there was no mandate to actually wear a mask? Because they're ugly. Because <laughs> their chin is ugly? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just talking about you just have a chin. You're just wearing it over your chin. Now, if you're still wearing a mask all the way, then perhaps you're a true believer. And then, you know, but there's some kind of mental disorder if you're now walking around with no mandate in a chin mask. But here in this store, we have Costco or some other kind of store. Doesn't Costco have bigger carts than that? I don't know. Anyway, play the video, Christian, because this is kind of fun. It's starting. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank goodness. Stop. You're away. I'll walk you here. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. Should they stop them? Stay away, sir. Stay away. I'm not getting near you. You're good. You're Yes. Okay. Sir? He's like, I'm backing up. It's pepper spray. Stay away. I'm going to stay away. Thank you. You can't be threatening people here with pepper spray, okay? You cannot threaten people in here with pepper spray. Christian, I just heard that. Did he say he was a lawyer? Yeah. Is that what he said? It sounded like it. I heard him say something about a lawyer and then I thought maybe I'm going to go call my lawyer. But then I heard it again. I thought he said, I'm a lawyer, but you can't tell because he's got a mask on. You can't hear anything he says, but you, isn't this hilarious? He's freaking out because he says, this guy is too close to him. He says, you're threatening my life. And then what does he do? He reaches out and touches him. He pushes him. See, this is evidence of a clear mental disorder. This is complete, irrational behavior. And you can thank your news media and your politician for this misinformation, this disinformation that has driven this poor man clinically insane. And there you have it. I, what was funny, Christian, was in the beginning, I don't know if you heard it, but the lady who was taking the video said, it's starting. <laughs> like, people are expecting these irrational lunatics to start acting out now that nobody's actually wearing a mask. And what is the, the guy is like, you're threatening my life, and he, he has pepper spray. 
which which cracks me up because the dude's like, is that pepper spray? And then he backs up. He's like, no, don't spray me, bro. But here's the thing. The man who who's wearing the mask is a criminal now. He pushed that store manager, which is a crime in every state in the union. He is now a true criminal. Not the pretended criminal status they had before for those of us who refuse to wear masks, but an actual criminal by actual law. You are not allowed to put your hands on someone like that. And he actually had to come into this dude's space and touch the dude, which negates any claim or defense he might have that the guy was like threatening him. So just so you know, keep your cameras out um, because... I suspect we're going to see a little bit more of that. Now, JC and I didn't see any of that, Christian, when we were flying, but we did see something on the Internet about some lady freaking out on a plane and opening the back door and and running away on on one of those. So when she popped the back door open, she's freaking out. She popped the back door open. The the escape raft came out and she slid down the escape raft and she was running across the the tarmac and the people on the plane are watching the the police chase her off all over the tarmac. Um, One of the uh, members of the Buffalo Bills team was actually there and he tweeted about it. So, uh, yes, it is begun. Those that the media and the Fauci's and the Fauciisms have made clinically insane over this irrational mask thing. Um, which, by the way, did you notice that he has a mask with a vent on it? He actually has is wearing a mask that has a vent on it. So it's not even, I mean, even if mask cloth masks were, were effective, they're not. But, <clears throat> you know, there you have it. So anyway, I thought that I would give that to you as a little bit of entertainment for uh, the beginning of the show, because we've got some really good things for you today on the show. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to pull up what we got. What do we got coming up next, Christian? The Texas. Texas. Oh, yeah, yeah. So let me let me show you some pictures from the True Texas Project fundraiser event that we had today uh, on Saturday. I was the keynote speaker and there were hundreds of people there. You'll be able to see a picture of my very handsome husband, JC. And there we were. Um, I don't know if you see the next picture of me and Don. If you get to see, you will get to see a picture of me and Don Huffhines, if you remember him. He's the guy that ran for governor against Abbott. I was actually hoping he was going to win. He's the short guy, the sh- short guy, the gray-haired guy in the you got it up there in the bow tie. He for those of you who are, you know, kind of older like me, you remember um oh now in the name just whew, see I'm so old I have this this thing. Um what was the guy that ran for office that was the little rich guy with the the um the charts and the boards? Anyway, it'll come to me sooner or later. But he reminds me a lot of that guy. And I know you guys are out there in the chat room putting it in right now, but I can't see that because I can't see the chat room. So anyway, um, uh, ran against Clinton. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you see the dress that I'm wearing. I don't know. Do you have it still up there? Okay. The dress is actually 
Um, go ahead and go to the next slide there. The dress, you can see a little bit more of the dress. The dress is actually a don't, a black and white don't tread on me. Go to the next one. Uh, a don't, a black and white don't tread on me flag. I mean, some of you have seen that dress, but that dress is so cool. Uh, somebody made that for me special in Alaska is a black and white don't tread on me flag. And the rest is just black material. And sh this woman was so, so talented. She didn't even take any measurements. She just made the dress and gave it to me. And then the fireworks at the end was a really, really great great program. We had a, a great day. And I'm going to tell you the True Texas Project, True Texas Project was received the highest honor this year. The Southern Poverty Law Center added them to their uh, list of anti-government extremist hate groups. And so I want to welcome the True Texas Project to the elite honor of the Southern Poverty Law Center's list. Because, you know, I've been there like seven years now. Well, I also want in the next set of slides that we have for Texas to introduce you to the uh, third Blexit group leaders. So it's the third Blexit group in Texas. Uh, and these are their leaders of this group. Um, Shane and, uh, let me see, I forget her name. Uh, Luke Campbell, L-U-C-K-E. And Shane Pratt, and they are some very wonderful people. And they sent me this really encouraging message. Um, Luke says, it was more than an honor to meet you last night, Chris Ann Hall. Your delivery was soul stirring and informative, but most of all, motivating. And so she said that she and Shane will be taking our classes very soon and encouraged people to follow me. And I love that. That's really, 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 really special to me. So thank you, Blexit of Texas. And it was an honor of meeting you, me in meeting you both as well. So the next one has to do with book banning, right? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, go to the second slide before you go to the first one. So the first slide is from the Washington Post. It's an article which caused me to write the second slide. So the first slide says, Everywhere Babies, a picture book celebrating infants just got banned. Really? Just got banned? Author Susan Myers and illustrator Marla Frazee respond to their book being banned. Was it really banned? It was banned from school libraries in Walton County, Florida, school libraries, okay? It was actually banned from the libraries that carry books for kindergarten to sixth grade. Now, go to the first slide there, because I just want this public service announcement to go out there. Taking books off of a shelf in a county, in a school, K through six is not banning books. This is melodramatic. This is overdramatic. It is ridiculous hype to say because a county in Florida took a book out of their K through six library and call that a book banning. That is absurd. 
That is lunacy. And I fear that we are going to see more of this. But I wanted to just go ahead and tell you what the definition of book banning actually is. Because this ain't it. This is just over-dramatization by a bunch of snowflakes and snowflake media stirring up division and, and, and strife and encouraging the propagation of victimhood, okay? Book banning, all right? Let's get this straight. Book banning is what Hitler did. Book banning is when the government bans the printing and sale of a book. Not a library, K through six. So book banning is when the government says nobody can print it and nobody can sell it. If you print it or sell it, we will put you in prison. That is what book banning is. Taking it out of a library for kindergartners is not book banning. Stop your stinking whining. Go on Amazon and buy it and read it to your own kid if you want it read to children. That's just the bottom line, guys. So help me spread. Go to my go to my Instagram page. Go to my Facebook page. Help me sp spread a little bit of truth in the understanding of what book banning actually is. And of course, my suggestion is always just go ahead and teach your own kids and leave teaching to parents instead of government. All right, so the next story is the big warning sign, right? Providence, Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. Check this out. This came across my desk I don't know. When was this? This was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. So Providence, Rhode Island. Now, this is not this is not hype. This is not uh, fake news. This is actually from a uh, CBS or somebody in in Providence, Rhode Island. Rhode Island senators put their names on Bill S. Two, five, five, two which would require every person at least 16 years old in the state to be immunized, and you know why, violating the vaccine mandate would mean you could face a civil penalty of, what, 50 bucks, and you have to pay twice the amount of your personal income tax. Who's going to enforce this? Well, the government is going to weaponize your employer to do that. The government of Rhode Island will tell your employer that they must extract from your paycheck twice the amount of income tax or they themselves suffer a $5,000 fine for each unvaccinated worker. Once again, the cowardice, the spineless, the pusillanimous legislators who have no backbone to actually stand behind the laws they make, like a schoolyard bully, will threaten 
employers with fines if they have unvaccinated workers and they don't collect twice the tax. Now, this is not a done deal. This is just a bill. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill, right? That's the Schoolhouse Rock song. Just ran through my head. But let me tell you, until this became publicized on this local station, WJAR, there were lots of representatives signed on to this bill in Rhode Island. Since it became publicized, some of the legislators are now jumping ship. This is why it's important that we speak up and speak out about these things. It's why it's important that we pay attention. There has to be some kind of an accountability here. Otherwise, these kinds of atrocious bills just sort of slide under the radar. So what exactly is the solution to your problem in Rhode Island? What is the solution in, the, as in, in, in your state when your legislators are trying to make laws like this? or any other law that's contrary to your rights. Well, I have created four slides for you. Four slides that explain to you point by point on how this works, okay? Number one, get control of your state and local governments. If the majority in your state like the nanny government, it's time to move to a state that reflects your values. I know, that's really hard to hear. But what we need to understand is this piece of political truth. The state model was built on the principles of the free market system. What exactly does that mean? The free market model for states. If we go to slide number two, then you see this, okay? Number one, the state government should reflect the principles and values of the people of the state through direct elections. Our, uh, the U.S. government is not a democracy, okay? We are a constitutional republic. The closest thing that we actually have to a democracy in America is our state governments. Our states are not full democracies, but our entire government of our states is elected by popular vote of the people. It's not a full-on democracy because the people do not vote to pass laws. It's a representative democracy because the people come together and vote for their representatives, and then the representatives, an equal representative form, create the laws. That's where it's the republic, okay? So, in a state, the state government, as selected by the majority of the people, should reflect the principles and the values of the people of the state through direct elections. Number two, if those in state governments denied or strayed from the principles and values of the people or denying the people the security of their inalienable rights, those in government would be removed via the people or removed by the people via direct elections. So when the politicians and the people selected to represent the people do not actually in practice and in law represent the values and principles of those people, 
Because these are directly elected, it is incumbent upon the people to either control their representatives or remove their representatives. So then going to the next slide. If someone in the state found that the people of the state supported principles or values conflicting their own, that person is free to move to a state that better matches their principles and values. So if you work to change your government, to reflect your principles and values, and no change is made. No change is made because the majority of the people of the state don't agree with you or don't work with you. The solution is not to just sit back and just go, I guess that's all I can do. No. The state model means that you're actually supposed to pick up and move yourself and or your family to a state that reflects your values and principles. You see, we're not a, a union of separate countries where you have to have a passport and you are or you are enslaved within your state. You can actually move freely from one state or another. Now, obviously, somebody will be like, well, financial this and money that. Okay, well, you know, if you live in a state of debt, then obviously you have restricted your own options. So the key in that would be to get out of your condition of debt and free up your options. Because you see, no law is putting you into that con limited condition. You have put yourself in that condition. And you still remain free at any time to leave that state, which does not agree with your principles and values, and move yourself to a state that does reflect your principles and values. Now, this is very important how this is supposed to work because this, in fact, is the remedy to states that are functioning without principle, irrationally against the rights and the liberties of the people. So, if you are in your state, find that the people of the state you live in support principles and values that conflict with your values, then you are free to move to a state that better matches their, your principles and values. Number four, states that operate contrary to the rights, values, and principles of the people would lose their productive, liberty-focused segment of population. And like businesses operating Bradley would go bankrupt or correct its bad behavior. So as people start leaving a state because the government no longer reflects their principles, right? So if you have a state who wants to support a whole bunch of people that aren't working and the people who are working and making all the money are tired of being stolen from, when they actually leave, what is it Margaret Thatcher said, the thing with socialism is sooner or later you run out of other people's money, right? So the people leave that state, they populate another state, they bring their work ethic, they bring their values, they bring their success, they bring their businesses to another state. That state who is focused on liberty and focused on the principles which the people agree with, actually becomes prosperous. The state they leave loses those people. And then who funds the other people? Those states will either go bankrupt or be forced to change their ways 
to bring about a restoration of their success. That's how the free market principle of our states was set up. If you go to the next slide, this is how the union was designed to ensure the states would not become many kingdoms. Governed by the people. And if the people don't like how their government is operating, they work to fix it. If the majority of the people don't agree, then you leave and go to another state. This is how it's supposed to work. And then you depopulate and defund the stupid states. That's it. The tyrannical states are depopulated and defunded. More, more importantly, defunded. So ask yourself, is my tyrannical state subject to correction? Are you able to correct your tyrannical state? If the answer is yes, by all means, fight for it. If the answer is no, then you must ask this question. If I remain in this tyrannical state, am I actually encouraging its tyranny by funding it with my presence? Sometimes it's necessary to cut bait and let the ignorant evil suffer their self-made consequences. There is your lesson today on how the free market principles were designed, uh, how, how our state government success was to be designed on free market principles. I hope that helps you. Now, I don't want in any way, shape, or form for it to seem as if I've somehow um, taken it, told you that you have to leave your state. Okay, so that's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is fight, do fight, please, and do fight hard. I have plenty of friends and, and, and people who are more like family than friends that live in California, that live in Washington, that live in Oregon, that live in New York, that live in these states that operate contrary to the rights of the people and contrary to their values and principles. And they're fighting. And I will support them. We will support them here. As long as they believe there is chance and they will continue to fight. But you see, part of the system is set up so that you can walk away and let stupid suffer the consequences of stupid. Because sometimes people don't change until they have to make, they have to lie in the bed they've made. I mean, that's really the point of tough love time. And I'm not the judge, so I don't get to tell people when their tough love time comes. But I just want you to understand what are the what are the free market principles on which our states are established. Christian, does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. You're a good Southern boy. You should learn how to say yes, ma'am. Okay. I normally <laughs> say I just. I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just teasing you, really. That's our next story is the IRS. Yes, ma'am. All right. <laughs> He's a quick learner. Look at that. I can't. Wait. That's awesome. Okay. So there's a pastor who put up this picture 
Now, you're showing the picture, right? You want me to right now? Yeah, yeah, please. You can show the picture. All right, it's up. Now, I'm not going to... I'm not looking to defame anybody. I'm not looking to, to you know, try to kick some pastor in the teeth. So I'm not going to show you who it is because it's not really that important. What you have to understand is that this is common error in America by pastors and churches. So I wanted to create a show that gave us a teaching lesson on this. Now, I'm going to read to you the post attached to this IRS code picture. This pastor says, FYI, churches that get involved in politics are actually in violation of federal law. This is directly from the IRS website, okay? Now, we'll go to that in just a second. I have never and will never endorse, support, or oppose any political candidate from the platform God has graciously entrusted with me. I will never allow the distribution of political materials, which, by the way, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Whether I agree with the law or not is irrelevant, one of the best examples Christians can give, this pastor says, not Chris Ann Hall, this pastor, is to actually follow and obey the law. This is why I choose to preach Jesus. That is what we call in our logics and critical thinking class, that last sentence called a non sequitur. What he's actually trying to propose that is if to preach Jesus, you can't talk about anything else. If you talk about something else, you are not preaching Jesus. So the IRS code, which he has to go ahead and put that back up there, Christian, says currently the law prohibits political campaign activity by charities and churches by defining 501c3 organization as one which does not participate in or intervene in, including the publishing and distributing of statements, any political campaign on behalf or in opposition to any candidate for public office. Okay, so now let's talk about what's wrong with this pastor's statement. He says, churches who get involved in politics are in violation of federal law. That is not a true statement. He says, I will never, in, I have never and will never endorse, support, or impose any political candidate. Okay, so here's the problem. That analysis by that pastor is not only legally, it is also biblically incorrect. And I'm going to get to that later, but we're teaching now about legally, right? Having an active voice in politics is not the same as campaigning. Notice the IRS code makes it illegal for a church to campaign. But what you have to understand here is it's not that clear. It's not that black and white, if you allow me to use that analogy. You see, the actual law is that you cannot spend more than 10% of your total money, your total time in church involved in campaigning. As a matter of fact, the IRS code allows for a church to invite candidates to the church 
to give their political positions, to ask for the congregation to endorse. And the IRS allows the church to do that under a 501c3 as long as, you know, they allow everybody. You invite this candidate, you have to invite this candidate. It's not a prohibition, as this pastor so erroneously remarks. It's not. And as a matter of fact, the church cannot spend more than 10% of its time. But when you, that's all the time. That's pulpit time. That's hours open time. 10% of its funding. That's all funding. There, if a church is truly a church, and not just the name, church and name only, but if a church is truly a church and is engaged in a service at a minimum every Sunday, it would be nearly impossible for a church who's actually a church, engaged in the commission of a church, meeting at least once a week, to surpass that 10%. Not only that, since the adoption of the 501c3 rules, there has never been a church that has ever been prosecuted for violation of this. And there are many of churches who engage in political and have activity, have their voices be heard politically. Okay. So having an active voice in politics is not the same as campaigning. So the pastor's argument in which he says, and I'll repeat it to you, churches that get involved in politics are violating federal law. I have never and will never endorse, support, or oppose a political candidate. The IRS says campaigning and um, having an active voice in politics is not the same as campaigning. As a matter of fact, a church can legally, even according to the IRS, invite candidates to speak at their church as long as the invitation is nonpartisan and the church does not take a stand for or against a candidate. However, churches are not prohibited or restricted in any way from taking an active stand on legislation, social issues, bills, or other kind of political activity. The only thing restricted by the IRS is campaigning for a particular candidate or against a particular candidate. And as I said, no church has ever been sanctioned by the IRS for inappropriate political activity, period. And finally, in our legal analysis, Churches, and this is the big finally, do not have to be 501c3 registered with the IRS to be a tax-exempt entity. Churches are tax-exempt by the nature of being churches. You don't have to have a 501c3 permission slip from the IRS to be a tax-exempt church. Look at the history, guys. Do a little homework. See when the 501c3 process started. And how long before then were churches tax exempt? Just a little clue. The 501c3, I believe, was designed through the Johnson administration 
to deceive pastors and Christians, to stay out of politics so unbelievers can have rule and reign over all government. Seriously. This pastor is actually preaching from the pulpit that God has no place in politics. And the people of God should have no say in politics. Christian, does that sound scriptural to you? No, it does not. <sighs> Pastors and Christians staying out of politics is how government has gotten to where it is. When you let non-believers, people who do not have a particular moral restraint or accountability to a higher power, run government. This is how you get a government that can present itself with the authority to shut down churches because of an emergency, to punish speech because of an emergency and punish assembly because of an emergency. And here's the thing, and I wrote this down. The pastors and Christians will blindly then, right? So when you have a government that asserts its authority to shut down churches, speech, and assembly because they're all non-believers, what you then get are pastors who are preaching, as he said right here, the best example Christians can give is to actually follow and obey the law. Then you get pastors who preach like that. Then you get Christians who will blindly submit to these unrighteous decrees because they're ignorant of their legal and biblical obligation to stand against unrighteousness, especially in government. That's what we have today, ladies and gentlemen, because of pastors like this. We have generations of people all over the world who actually believe it is unbiblical to have a voice in government, that they are to slavishly submit to every law that comes before them, so say God, and they blindly submit to unrighteousness because they have submitted themselves to the leadership and the training of an ignorant unrighteous, biblically ignorant pastor who really claims to just preach Jesus. That's not why he's doing this. See, he's virtue signaling is what he's actually doing, right? Getting involved, listen to his logic. Getting involved, voicing your, your politics about social issues, about bills, let's say abortion. He says, because the IRS says you can't, right? I just preach Jesus. So you preach Jesus because the government tells you you can't talk about anything else? Virtue signaling to me, to my husband as a pastor, to my pastor as the head of his church, 
that if he talks about something other than Jesus, he's somehow unbiblical? And yet your motivation is just to preach Jesus is not biblical either. Your motivation to just preach Jesus has to do with your tax-exempt status. Oh, yeah, really? See, it's not a violation of law. It's a violation of the 501c3 tax-exempt status. So this pastor knows, even though he doesn't talk about it, this pastor believes that if he steps outside the IRS guidelines, he will lose his tax-exempt status, which means he will lose funding. He will lose money. He will have to pay taxes in certain realm, but you know what else he knows? Without he believes he will lose his tax-exempt status, that means people won't donate to his church because they won't get a tax write-off. So he doesn't even preach biblical tithing. His church members must believe that tithing is associated with a tax break, a tax write-off. What this pastor is doing in his errant virtue signaling that, oh, I preach Jesus because the IRS says so, has nothing to do with Jesus at all. It has to do with his love of money. You see, this pastor does not possess the wisdom of God, but he does possess a love of money. And that should be a problem, right? Pastors should be preaching to preserve the gospel. That unrighteousness in government is an assault on the gospel and every Christian must speak and stand against it. See, I don't even, Christian, what does that even mean? I preach Jesus. I don't know. What does that mean? Does that mean he talk about the baby in the manger and the baby grew up and the baby drew, when the baby grew up, he, he turned water into wine. And when, when he was a man, he walked on water and, and maybe along the way he healed some people and raised some dead and then he died. Is that preaching Jesus? Cause that's not the same as preaching the gospel. See, I, I think I'd have to sit down and ask him, what does preaching Jesus mean? Because you see, the command is to preach the gospel. And if you're going to preach the gospel, incumbent upon preaching the gospel, is preaching to preserve the ability to preach the gospel. Which would require believers to speak out against government that comes against the preaching of the gospel, that comes against life as the gift of God, and other things that interfere with the inalienable gifts that our Creator had bestowed upon us, including government. So, these preachers must also preach that Christians must speak and preach and stand against government that interferes with the gospel. If pastors do not, then they teach their flock that a Christian has no place in politics and therefore God and righteousness are excluded from government. 
that Christians are merely slaves to government. Sort of like the Israelites in Egypt. I think that's how that story went, right, Christian? Yeah. And are therefore in bondage to a king. By the way, I just wanted to take a second to address this little comment that he made about um, one of the best examples Christians can give is to actually follow and obey the law. Well, that statement, best example of Christians is to actually follow and obey the law, is contrary to Scripture and the command of God. So let me give you a few scriptural references and you can go look them up. The Hebrew nursemaids in Exodus 1. Are you taking this down, Christian? Oh, yeah. Jochebed. Jochebed, I don't know if you know this, is the name of Moses' mother. Did you know that, Christian? I did not. Jochebed is the name of Moses' mother. Go read the story of Jochebed in Exodus 2. How about the three Hebrew boys in Daniel 1? Because some preachers would be like, well, we can preach against abortion. But, you know, this healthcare thing, that has nothing to do with the command of God. Can I remind you that the three Hebrew boys were actually four Hebrew boys in Daniel 1 who refused the king's mandate on their diet? When they refused to eat the diet mandated by the king, health care, were they violating God's word? Were they stepping outside the gospel? No, actually, they were not. They were doing the exact opposite because their answer was, hey, how about we follow what God says about our health care? And you let God prove that he's superior to your king in his ability to take care of us. Lunch menus over pottage. Pretty much. How about Daniel, the three Hebrew boys, also in Daniel 3, who refused to bow to the command of the king? Daniel himself in Daniel 6, especially look up Daniel, I'm going to give you a quiz later, Christian. Daniel 6.22. I'm watching him over there. He's actually taking notes. How about John? Because I always get people, Christian, who say, oh, well, that's the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Jesus came and changed it all. Okay, how about John the Baptist in Matthew 14.1? When he's condemning Herod for his unrighteousness. Did John the Baptist violate God's command? How about the apostles in Act 5? Etc. 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 See, God not only commands us to stand against unrighteous government, he also rewards his people for doing so. Go look at all those stories. You see, Romans 13, what this pastor I'm surely will refer you back to, does not teach blind obedience to the law as these errant pastors teach. Romans 13 actually teaches don't be lawless. Don't be unrighteous. 
that government is established for good, not evil. Don't be evil. Don't be lawless. Don't be unrighteous. When you actually apply hermeneutics and understanding to Romans 13, you understand that what Romans is actually 13, 13 is actually teaching. When government becomes lawless, when government becomes unrighteous, you must not follow government because God's command to you is don't be unrighteous and don't be lawless. And when the laws and government demand obedience in lawlessness or unrighteousness, it is actually the believer's obligation to not obey. So just in case you're asking, I did respond to this pastor's post. I did actually give you, give them all this text that I told you today. I did actually expand a little bit with you. But it's all written down on his post. And no, he never, ever responded. I don't know if he will listen to me or not. You know, Christian, have you, do you know that there are, it's, Christian, do you know there are Christians out there that believe that women should not be preaching? Yes, I do. Do you know that right now, as I'm saying this, I guarantee you there's probably at least one person in the chat room right now trying to condemn me for pe preaching and teaching biblical principle because I'm a woman. Probably. But you know what? I think those are probably the same people that believe that we should slavishly submit to every law government makes as well, and they don't understand Romans 13. So, I can't help you if you don't want to understand this. I can't help you if you don't want to know truth. But as the Bible says, let those who have ears to hear. So thank you so much for joining us today, Christian and I, or Christian me. Thank you for joining me and Christian on today's show. I hope that you have found this a valuable teach lesson. Now, before I go, I want to remind you to like and to share. But I'm also going to remind you to comment below. Don't just share by hitting the little share button. Copy the link and text it to your friends. Copy the link and email it to your friends. Copy the link and send it in your Facebook Messenger. Copy the link and put it on Twitter. You know, I mean, copy the link and put it places. When you do that, we have act, we have better we have better propagation of the truth, and you help us overcome the algorithms. When you comment. You help us in two ways. The more comments, the more interaction we have, the more the algorithm pushes, but also the more comments and interaction you have, you have a tendency to bring other people into the discussion. So I want to thank you for your comments and thank you for encouraging others to comment and to be part of the discussion. Remember, we're a teach show, not just a talk show. If you want to continue your education, 
You need to go to libertyfirstsociety.com. I have a whole class on religious liberty. JC has a whole class on the morality of resistance centered around the proper understanding. And all these biblical scriptures that I've given you today are also available on the morality of resistance. You can go to chrisannhall.com. You can download just the morality of resistance class. You don't have to even be a member at Liberty First Society. You can download that and share it. Share it with your pastor if he doesn't understand it. Maybe, maybe you'll make him ask some questions and he'll find truth. But thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we're going to close out with our pastor talking about our new movie, Noncompliant 2. He actually has a, a segment of this in this, not in this movie. You'll want to see Noncompliant 2. Remember, if you want to help us, partner with us to fund this movie, go to noncompliantmovie.com. You can make a donation there. Your donations will be tax deductible. So thank you so much, Christian. Thank you so much for joining in with me today. You're can, welcome. Can you tell everybody goodbye? Goodbye, everybody. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you next time. Pastor stood in the pulpit and said, Government doesn't own my church. It's under the head of Christ, and government cannot shut down my church. And this sheriff arrested him for it. We're not stopping. We'll never stop. We'll never comply. It'll be a cold day in hell with the devil singing Frosty the Snowman. We will never bow and we'll never comply. It's time for you to stand up and say no.